0: This is Jim Pruitt and you listen to another episode of the Farm So Hard Podcast. So I farm so hard, employees wanna find me. And then wanna hire me. What's a hundred K to a guy like me? Could you please remind me? Farm so hard, this ain't easy. Working late nights, you best believe me. My grades can only go ace. Never wanna see another B unless I'm Jay-Z. Farm so hard, let's get paid. Let's get paid. What's good, fam? It's your host Jim Pruitt, AKA Form D and E D. And this is another episode of the Farm So Hard Podcast. I'm super excited to bring you guys one of the episodes from the Empower Conference. Many of you guys have been asking me, hey, Jimmy, republish this on farm so hard. And thank God that this is something I can do. So I want to make sure you guys know that this presentation is available for continued education on EmpowerRx slash And you guys can go get some continued education uh, for this particular topic uh, through our partners at the University of South Carolina and always, guys, if you're interested in some of our other platforms and other things that we have going on, we do have our blog, Pharmacy Friday Pearls. That's going to be at pharmacy slash pearls And we have our membership academy that is for acute care pharmacists at pharmacy and acute care university. Again, both of those going to always be in the show notes. But again, if you want to uh, find PACU, as I like to call it, it's going to be pharmacy slash acute care university If you have any topics or questions things you guys want to get at please let me know but let's go ahead and jump into this phenomenal episode where Ruben basically just kills it for like 30 straight minutes so thank you guys and I hope you guys enjoy this episode
1: hey Guys, my name is uh, Ruben Santiago like Kyle was saying I'm an ED pharmacist down here in sunny Miami Florida it looks like a cat five hurricane outside right now but besides that we'll clear up I think in about 30 minutes or so um, I'm a pharmacist down here at Jackson, um, large hospital. We're like comprehensive stroke center, burn center, level one trauma center, county hospital. We see anything, everything. Um, it's a fun time during spring break. So we're getting all those overdoses. So I'll be uh, emailing Frank, all my questions that I have uh, for all the overdoses I'll get and, and probably use a, a lot more bicarb than what Jimmy's used to. Um, you can follow <laughs> You can follow me on, on Twitter at The People's Rubin and also my Instagram at The ED Traumacist for some, a lot more lighthearted content than, than what we kind of deal with on a day-to-day. So today we're going to talk about tranexamic acid or TXA in the trauma patient. We're only going to focus on TXA's use in trauma. So TXA is kind of like the Swiss Army knife uh, of emergency medicine. right? We, we, we kind of use it for, for bleeding, whether it's systemic bleeding, topical bleeding, Hemoptysis um, can also use it for uh, asinibar-induced androedema, but today we're just going to focus on its use in trauma. So objectives for today, we're going to review the etiology and pathophysiology of trauma-induced coagulopathy. recall some of the pharmacology associated with TXA, and we're going to analyze the literature regarding the use of TXA in trauma patients. So know that hemorrhage is the leading cause of preventable death after injury and accounts for about 30 to 40 Percent of trauma-related death. Uh, it typically occurs hours after injury. If you remember that trimodal distribution of death after trauma. Hemorrhage is right there, one of the first two um, peaks where death may occur. Um, it's a complex multifactorial process, and I would be remiss if I did not include a meme of what's going to happen today. So I'm going to try to explain to you acute coagulopathy of trauma in this short bit. So it's known as acute traumatic coagulopathy, acute coagulopathy of trauma, or trauma-induced trauma induced coagulopathy and it's a complex multifactorial process that includes all components of the hemostatic system. It's an endogenous coagulopathy associated with severe trauma that occurs before hemodilution of any coagulation factor. So initially we thought that this occurred because patients were giving a lot of fluid and they had dilutional coagulation factors that were occurring and uh, studies show that this actually occurring before any of that happened. And we can be seen with prolongation of your coagulation parameters prior to any intervention. Traditionally, when we think of coagulopathy, we think of the lethal triad, or more recently now, the lethal diamond, 3 diamonds in the sky, if you guys remember that, right? So we have acidosis, coagulopathy, hypothermia, and then now we have hypocalcemia as well. So all those things kind of contribute to coagulopathy. Well, acute traumatic coagulopathy kind of happens before all those things happen, and then it's further exacerbated, exacerbated when those things do happen. So like I was saying, the mechanism is highly complex. Um, It's poorly defined. It's still being studied. But one of the the main factors that we kind of look at is um, activation of protein C in in these patients that happen. So you have severe injury plus hyperperfusion. It kind of leads to an increase in the thrombomodulin thrombin complex. And what that does, it activates protein C. When you have activated protein C and activates factors five and eight, and also inactivates plasminogen activator inhibitor one, so you have tissue plasminogen activator to kind of convert plasminogen to plasmin and allow it to run wild like hokamania, right? Causing all this hyperfibrinolysis that's unopposed because plasminogen activator one is also inhibited, and you also have activated protein C is going to increase your tissue plasminogen activator. So in theory, you're going to have in severe patients a lot of hyperfibrinolysis that may occur. So, one third of your trauma patients that come in severely injured like this are coagulopathic, and this leads to a fourfold increase in mortality of your patients. So, this leads to my first question. Let me see if I can launch this poll. So, question one, a true or false question hemorrhage is the most preventable cause of preventable death and trauma, right? Looks like everyone, it's True, right? We, we're going we're to try to prevent the cause of death, and this is done through hemostatic measures, damage control resuscitation, and hopefully with the use of some pharmacologic agents. So, some pharmacology at TXA. Um, before we get into that, actually. So, one would think that all severely injured patients would present with hyperfibrinolysis. However, only about 20% of patients um, with severe trauma present with hyperfibrinolysis. A majority of them actually present with fibrinolytic shutdown, about 60% of your trauma patients. A patients, this patient population is theorized to the, get yeah, worse after receiving TXA, and fibrinolytic shutdown can actually persist in about 120 hours after they present in 70% of those patients. So it's important um, to look at these patients, see how, how they present, and if your center is uh, able to get a, get a tag on these patients or read some of these patients to see if they are hi- hyperfibrinolytic to see if they do need TXA or if they have physiological fibrinolysis or fibrinolytic shutdown to not give TXA in those patients. So TXA was discovered in 1962 and uh, TXA is kind of like the Frank's red hot sauce for bleeding, you know, Frank's red hot, we put that stuff on everything. TXA, anything that bleeds, we're, we're gonna put it on there. You know, it doesn't matter what, you got a nosebleed, I'm gonna give it to you. You got hemoptysis, I'm gonna give it to you. You got a cut and you got a, there's a case for a hemophilia patient who got a nipple piercing was bleeding, give TXA. That's what we're gonna do. And that's what we roll in the ER, right? Everyone that's bleeding is going to get TXA no matter what. So it's an antifibrinolytic medication class. And it works by inhibiting both plasminogen activation and plasma activity. So it's a synthetic lysine analog, and it's going to bind to lysine binding sites on plasminogen and inhibit it from binding to the fibrin complex. So it's going to inhibit fibrinolysis. So the TXA's end game is to prevent clot breakdown and stabilize existing clots, right? It's not going to necessarily promote clot formation. So so some pharmacotherapy considerations for TXA is once it's given IV, it's rapidly absorbed and has a half-life for about two hours. And it has various routes of administration. It can be given, what we're going to talk about today is systemically IV, right? For bleeding trauma patients, we're going to try to get an IV line, get this medication in them. We'll talk about the dosing um, further as we look at the trials that evaluated this in trauma patients. It can be given topically for for tooth extraction bleeds or kind of any localized bleeding can be nebulized for hemoptysis or um, post tonsillectomy bleeding can be given PO for heavy menstrual bleeding. Um, some guidelines for the military guidelines can give it IO as well, recommend giving IV or IO. And there's some pharmacokinetic studies looking at giving TXA IM as well. And having similar bioavailability of IV versus IM injection, but that still needs um. A lot more evaluation before it can be routinely recommended to give IO and, and IM routes as well. TXA is also applied in vials and also premixed bags. So, 1,000 milligram and 10 ml vials and 1,000 milligram and 100 ml bags. Uh, at our hospital, we have both formulations. I kind of keep the premixed bags in the trauma center, so it's a lot easier to give to them. So, we can start the bag, they can get the bolus and start heading to the OR. And then in the ER, I like the vials because I can manipulate if I need to give it topically or anything like that. So some side effects for TXA that we worry about, mostly worry about is thromboembolic risk. Um, when we look at these trauma studies, we can also have risk of seizures. And I think another hotly contested side effect is hypotension associated with faster administration rates. Um, if you look at, there is a meta-analysis and systematic review that looked at thromboembolic risk and seizures and they found that there was... No real increased risk of either or when they looked at their studies of patients having thermobolic risk or seizures, and they found that there was increased risk of seizures when there were patients receiving more than two grams per day. So that's something to look out for. If you look at the, the military data with um, administration rates, you can find that the military has kind of like been going, doing their own thing since like 2014. They went from doing the CRASH-2 trial dosing strategy of one gram over 10 minutes, one gram over eight hours, sorry. And they found that that was too cumbersome for them, right? You're in a battlefield environment. You you need to, you know, get the patient, the casualty to safety, then deliver the medications and and get them to a higher level of care. So they started with first giving one gram bolus, then starting infusion later. Then they went on from giving uh, one gram bolus to two gram bolus. And that's currently what their recommendation now is to give a two gram bolus. There was a case series by the 75th Ranger Regiment, and it looked at six patients that received it. A two gram bolus of varying degrees of combat injuries, and they did not report any seizures, any anaphylaxis, or any hypotension after patients received a two gram bolus. If you look at that case, it's pretty gnarly. They're doing like sternal IOs and slamming two grams of of TXA in the in the sternal IO. So it's a pretty pretty neat to look at and read about. However, uh, there are more studies that are needed, so we can't routinely recommend giving uh, two grams as a bolus, and we still look at the studies and most studies will do either a one gram bolus or one gram over 10 minutes followed by one gram in in over eight hours. So the big thing with with TXA, right? It's it's always a huge question in in our trauma patients. Like what do we do? I feel like when I first started at Jackson, like six years ago, we used TXA a lot more. And and now it's kind of like gone by the wayside. There's some reemergence of trying to use it again for our our TBI patients that are coming in. We'll we'll take a look at that data as well. So you kind of ask yourself, so who's going to, be receiving TXA. So we're, we're most likely gonna be our, our trauma patients that are, that are gonna get it, right? Um, and hopefully w- within or severe trauma patients versus our trauma patients that are not as severe, that, that would get TXA. So what? So as a pharmacist, you gotta ask yourself, so what formulation do I have on formulary? So what can I get to them? So do I have the vial that, that I need to prepare? And if I need to prepare a vial, do I have all the materials I need to prepare it? So my 100 ml bag, my syringes, all that kind of stuff, labels readily available to me in the trauma bay or in the emergency department? Or do I have a premix bag that I can go ahead and hook it up on the pump, give it to the nurse right away, and we're ready to roll? So when do we give it? That's another huge question is uh, we'll look at the crash two day and their exploratory analysis of giving it within three hours or, or greater than three hours and what patients benefited from which. It's like, like everything in emergency medicine, it's time to drug. So quicker the drug gets in the patient, hopefully the better off the patient's going to be. Where, so where are you going to stock TXA, right? You don't want to have this stocked in central pharmacy or something like that where you have to constantly run down for your severe trauma patient and leave the bedside and then to be able to, to bring the medication to the nurse. So hopefully having it stocked in your Pixis or your your OmniCell, near, near the patients are going to benefit most from it. Why are we going to try to answer that question throughout this presentation today? And then how? So how am I going to give this, right? Uh, am I going to give this as a bolus? Am I going to give this as an infusion? Um, How fast can I give it and how much can I give it? So true or false, TXA promotes clot formation. So it is false, right? So TXA does not promote clot formation, right? It's going to prevent that clot breakdown. Remember the way it works? It binds to the lysine binding sites on plasminogen and plasmin to inhibit that complex between fibrin and plasminogen and plasmin. So it inhibits that fibrinolysis that may occur. So the first trial we're gonna look at is the big trial that kind of put TXA on the map, which is the CRASH-2 trial. So the CRASH-2 trial was the big trial that looked at over 20,000 patients in 274 hospitals and 40 countries. And they looked at TXA in trauma patients. And we kind of get our dosing scheme from this trial here. So it's one gram over 10 minutes that they used. And they did um, follow that with a one gram over eight hour infusion and their primary endpoint was looking at death within four weeks of injury. So patients eligible for the trial were adult trauma patients with significant hemorrhage, or those who were considered to be at significant risk of hemorrhage, who presented within eight hours of injury. And there was no lab markers or anything really reported in this trial. We'll kind of talk about the limitations uh, of the trial in a second. So they kind of looked at vital signs to help them kind of define like, okay, who's at risk of hemorrhage, who wasn't at risk of hemorrhage, looking at heart rate and blood pressure and those kinds of things um, to give TXA to these patients. So these are kind of like the the most evident results I was able to pull from the trial. So the big thing is, was looking at all-cause mortality, right? So we had about 10,000 patients in each group in TXA and placebo, and we saw that there was a decreased mortality in patients that received TXA and a decrease in mortality of death due to bleeding in patients that received TXA. If you look, um, there was no increase, noticeable increase in any vascular occlusive event that occurred between groups in TXA. So we we're worried about that thromboembolic risk that we spoke about earlier as one of our side effects. And then the blood product transfusion is about 50%. Each group it was pretty similar between groups. So there are a lot of limitations with this trial. So one, this was done, um, in places where they lack of modern trauma resuscitation practices, approximately half of the patients required blood transfusion, so they're not really that sick. Only 50% of the patients in each group required an OR. 70% had a GCS at 13 or 15. So you're kind of assuming that these patients maybe are weren't really that sick at baseline. And there was no measure of coagulopathy or injury severity in the trial as well. So even though this trial kind of serves as our basis of using TXA in trauma, there's a lot of details that were missing that kind of help us at the bedside when choosing to use a medication in these patients that present. There was an exploratory analysis that compared time to treatment and death due to bleeding. Um, on a reanalysis of CRAS-2 trial, what they found was uh, patients treated with TXA within three hours had a decreased risk of death due to bleeding, while patients treated with TXA greater than three hours had an increased risk of death due to bleeding. So that's where kind of our, our big recommendation comes from with treating TX, patients with TXA within three hours because they had that reduced death due to bleeding, and patients greater than three hours had an increased um, death or risk death of death due to bleeding. The next big trial was the Manners trial. So, this was a military trial, and this was done in the uh, southern Afghanistan at one hospital in Kat Bashan. And it had about 900 patients in this trial. And what they did is they looked at TXA and they gave a one gram bolus, and then it was up to the treating physician if they wanted to repeat that dose. So now this is a little bit different, right? We're not doing one gram and then one gram over eight hours. We're doing just a one gram bolus as described in the trial. It doesn't say if it went faster than the 10-minute administration rate or whatnot, but it does refer to it as a bolus. The outcomes of the trial they looked at death at 24 hours, at 48 hours, and at 30 days. So this was a retrospective cohort study, and it took place, again, in one hospital in Southern Afghanistan. Patients were included if they had received at least one unit of PRBCs within 24 hours of admission following a combat-related injury. So these are the results uh, of the managed trial. So TXA was mentioned as a one-gram bolus and repeated as indicated. The mean dose of TXA was 2.3 grams that was given within one hour of injury. So if you look here, you can see that mortality was um, better in the TXA group or reduced in the TXA group, and this was most evident in patients who are receiving massive transfusion. So if you look at the overall cohort of patients with adverse events, there was a slightly increase in DVT and PE, and the authors kind of attributed this to the higher injury severity scores in patients in the TXA group because they were more severely injured at baseline. So the authors concluded for the Matters trial that the use of TXA with blood component based resuscitation following combat injury improves survival. So that was, the CRASH-2 trial wasn't, uh, and those countries and over 20,000 patients. And then we looked at the MATERS trial military data. Um, other military studies, there was one, uh, another study with over 3,000 patients, and they kind of looked at uh, TXA in their group. And what they found in that study was TXA conferred no mortality benefit, and it was kind of same in each group when compared to a placebo. That was also a retrospective study. It was just retrospective, they did not compare to placebo, it was just a retrospective study. So, when we look at TXA and civilian trauma patients, now we're back to Miami, Florida. So, in sunny Miami, Florida, there was a retrospective observational single center study. And it looked to answer the question Does early routine use of TXA in critically injured trauma patients improve outcomes? So, this was done actually at the trauma center where I work at, so Ryder Trauma Center. They included 300 patients and they adopted the CRASH-2 trial of dosing regimen of one gram over 10 minutes all by one gram over eight hours. So what they did was they had 150 patients in each group. So 150 patients got TXA, 150 patients were propensity matched to the TXA group. And the median time the TXA administered after arrival was 97 minutes with a range of zero to 886 minutes, so a pretty big range. What they found was that there was increased mortality in patients in the TXA group. So 27% in the TXA group, versus 17% in the no-TXA group had increased mortality. And when they looked at all their subgroups, time to TXA, fluids, PRBCs, blood products used, there was no effective mortality across all subgroups with the use of TXA. Also in this study, when they looked at their patient population, compared to the CRASH-2 patient population, the patient population study at Jackson was a lot sicker. At least 90% of patients received blood products versus the CRASH-2, if you recall, only about 50% of them received blood products and about 80% of patients in the rider study went to the OR versus around 50% in the uh, CRASH-2 trial. So we look at another civilian uh, study based for TXA. We looked at it used in outcomes and effects on outcomes in the urban trauma center in the United Kingdom, and this was in 385 patients. And they again used the TXA-1 gram and then t- followed by TXA-1 gram over eight hours. And they looked at the effect of mortality. So this is a prospective cohort study of severely injured patients presenting to the major urban trauma center in the UK. So they kind of stratify their patient population and patients presenting, with um, those who got TXA versus no TXA, and then those who actually presented with shock versus patients who didn't present in shock. And what they found was patients who received TXA who were shocked, uh, were more shocked and coagulopathic on admission. And then TXA was independently associated with a decrease in multiple organ failure and mortality in shock patients. In the non-shock patient cohort, though there was no difference between mortality and those patients who got TXA. In another civilian study, they looked at a trauma center in the Netherlands and evaluated 422 patients. And here they looked at TXA 1 gram bolus and then 1 gram over 8 hours, which was determined by the treating physician if they wanted to continue with the infusion and they looked at the effect of TXA on morbidity and mortality, and what they found was there was no difference in patients who got TXA in this patient group, and there was no difference in thrombinobolic complications either. Again, kind of questioning, like, does TXA really work for this patient population, or which population does TXA really work for? So here's our last question. So it is recommended to use TXA anytime after trauma has occurred. So false, right? So TXA should be used within three hours of injury. Greater than three hours, it's associated with negative outcomes and increased risk of death due to bleeding. So real quickly, we're going to look at the CRASH-3 trial and uh, TBI. That's another huge point that within recent times has come up of using should be using TXA in this patient population. So the CRASH-3 trial was, again, another huge trial. It was conducting over 12,000 patients and had about 6,000 patients per group in 175 hospitals in 29 countries. And they followed that CRASH-2 dosing regimen of TXA so one gram over 10 minutes, followed by one gram over eight hours and looked at death within 28 days of injury. So the results of this study was, there was a reduction in death. It was in the mild to moderate head injury group when compared to placebo. However, this was not seen in patients uh, with severe head injury. So patients included in this trial were patients with the GCS of less than 12 and any intracranial hemorrhage on CT with no major extracranial bleeding. And the most bang for your buck looked like was this amount to moderate, which is such a weird outcome to look at because I feel like most of our patients, when they do come in, their GCS is less than eight. So they're already at a disadvantage of receiving TXA in this patient population. Um, but a lot of our, a lot of my trauma attendants, at least more recently, are discussing giving more TXA in this patient population when they do present. A more recent study looked at the effect of out of hospital TXA and TBI. This was conducted in 12 regions in the US and Canada. And this was a three-group study. So it looked at patients who got TXA one gram followed by one gram over eight hours. TXA is a two-gram IV bolus and placebo. And this was done in 966 patients. And it looked at functional neurological outcome at six months. And there was no significant difference in six-month neurological outcome in patients that did receive TXA. So what are you going to do if you want to add TXA to your treatment regimen? So there was a an article on AGHP that looked at addition of TXA, to traumatic injury, massive transfusion protocol that was done in Boston Medical Center. And basically what they did was they had to sit down with all interested parties, provide a lot of training and education and guideline development order sets for this um, to occur um, to can be smooth. They looked at a 16-month analysis and they found that after they did their training and education, they had an increased use in TXA. They didn't report any outcomes or anything. It was just basically a process improvement project to kind of look at incorporating TXA in their massive transfusion protocol. So for logistical considerations, if you do want to use TXA, you want to involve all interested parties, create algorithms and or order sets to help guide the clinician um, especially if you don't have 24 or seven pharmacy services to be able to select when they want to use TXA for their for their patients. And then location, so you want to make sure that it's in a user-friendly location in the emergency department. So whether it's in, in your trauma center, in your OR, or in your emergency department, ready to use and provide education to all providers who are going to use it and also nursing on how to administer the medication. So in conclusion, TXA is an antifibrinolytic agent that may be used in trauma for patients who present with hemorrhagic shock Seems like the best bet is treating these patients within three hours of injury that are severely injured that present with shock. And then any administration more than three hours injury should probably be avoided because that could lead to worse outcomes. However, the role of TXA in advanced trauma centers remains still to be elucidated as we have, we can give them blood products, get into the OR sooner in more advanced trauma centers. Any questions? Ruben, that was great. One thing I saw a lot of in the chat was discussion on what folks are using in terms of a one gram versus two gram versus a bolus followed by an infusion. So, what are you guys doing down at your shop, and, and how are you actually incorporating the the data that you have to help guide your your dosing? Uh, great questions. Uh, one thing we we're doing when I first started, like I said before, we were doing the one gram followed by the one gram over eight hours. I feel like lately um, it's kind of fallen to hands of anesthesia because anesthesia has point of care testing for TEG. Uh, we have two TAG systems. We have the Take 6s and the Take 5000 but the Take 5000 in our core lab. But for some reason, our Take 5000 only reports up to the max amplitude. So I can't really like to certainly say like, hey, we need, I don't have an LY-30 to base a decision off of if I just wait for those lab results. There's a different system for the TAG-6S that has recently been implemented. Um, so we'll see an LY-30 greater than three or 5%. We'll go ahead and start TXA then. And when we do start it, we still follow the one gram bolus, then one gram over eight hours. But I think probably moving towards a one gram bolus and then another bolus is needed since TXA does have a short life and like the fibrinolytic phenotypes are so dynamic within our trauma patients. So you, you become a hyperfibrinolysis to fibrinolytic shutdown, right? That I feel like bolus dosing is, is going to be better for these patients. Are you using 3% as your your cutoff off your Y30? Yeah, I believe so. That's what we're using now. Some of our, like one of my uh, anesthesia attendings say that TAG 5000 is not as sensitive to hyperfibrinolysis, So he advocates for TXA all the time, especially for severely injured patients. Ruben, thank you so much.
0: No problem guys, thank you for having me. Thanks Ruben for getting this on the podcast and thank you guys for requesting this episode. Super excited about this and we'll do a few more of these per month. We'll drop a few episodes from the Empower Conference over the year until we get ready for our big one next year. And I'm going to drop some deets on that in about a month or two. Uh, we're getting close to doing some things in our planning committee. So we'll definitely let you guys know. Of note, guys, the, the fun in the sun tour is going on right now. Definitely another way for us to get together. And just have a good time as healthcare professionals. So look out for that. Orlando was fun last, last month. We got Denver on June 10th. We got Chicago June 24th to 25th. Then Boston July 16th. Atlanta July 29th and charlotte august 15th all the deets for that are on all of our social medias and website so guys you know how i close it out you don't have to be a pharmacist you don't have to work in the ed but everything you do make sure you form so hard you gotta, yeah. i say all you got we taking it's it from brain to, brain brain to brain. vein any mini mind and mold form be dripping and got I a flow. flow and i got that n7 fit no for trauma fall and i'm mixing up a little leave a bed so crank it up some more we not